This episode of The Okie Show Show is brought to you by Micah Hart Grip Electric. Say you're shooting a short film, or maybe like a commercial, or maybe your lights went out and you're like, well, this is inconvenient. Micah Hart Grip Electric can supply you with all your lighting needs. Then on top of that, he can take those lights and he can make your scene or situation look super sexy. Micah has worked on countless local projects. He's a super great dude, and he's got the stuff to make your project look great. Whether that's grip equipment, which you manipulate the lights, or electric equipment in which you'll illuminate your scene. Be sure to give Micah Hart a call at 580-399-2041. That's 580-399-2041. Or you can email him at micahsmart.com. 1993 at gmail.com that's m-i-c-a-h s-m-a-r-t 1993 at gmail.com now let's get to the episode hello and welcome to the podcast that explores the heartlands entertainment industries i'm brian and i'm joined today by a guest co-host as we like to say on the show Mr. Chandler Jackson. Hello. And you have your own YouTube series and, and all sorts of stuff, but why don't you kind of introduce yourself to the audience and, and what all you do? Uh, yes, uh, my name is Chandler Jackson. I'm an Oklahoma City-based uh, puppeteer and production designer. Um, I have my own little uh, puppet show I do on YouTube called The Mr. Puppet Show, spelled M-I-S-T-E-R. If you look that up, you'll find it. Uh, I won a Heartland Emmy like two weeks ago for That's right. for a show called Alley Dog Depot, which is a puppet show that I write and I build the puppets and I puppeteer and do all that uh, and I do production design for local movies and stuff. So, and this is so cool that that I was able to get you to come in and co-host today's episode because we are talking about puppeteering, which is a world that I know nothing <laughs> about. Like, I, I don't know anything. All I know is, you know, just the fun stuff that me and my mom used to do, you know, at bedtime and that kind of thing. And then I would watch, you know, like Fraggle Rock and stuff and just wish longingly. Gosh, that looks like so much fun. But uh, we're here today to talk about puppeteering with our guest Skyping in from New York City, Mr. David Bizarro. <laughs> Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, yes! thanks for having me. It's good to, good to be on here with you both. You're both such... Lovely, charming gentleman. Look at you. Oh, goodness. You, sir, have been... Uh, we, <laughs> the first time I actually met you was, uh, gosh, at like Dead Center Film Festival several years ago, and you had produced a short film about an avocado, <laughs> and Kelly and I fell in love with the short film, <laughs> and, and we got to have some little antics with you on the show, and then also kind of crashing another podcast. But That's uh, right. Yeah, that was a really fun experience. That was kind of a homecoming. Uh, my my wife and I moved out from Oklahoma to New York City, and that film was so much fun. It's The Pits. It like it was my first short film that uh, that I had ever put out there before, and it's about an avocado searching the streets of New York City for its other half. And the whole uh, the premise is that this avocado, you know, it has a pit in its belly. And it's trying to fill the pit with stuff. And so first it tries a leaf, gets blown up by wind. It tries a bottle cap, bottle cap falls down. And then it literally gets hit in the face with a flyer that says, go to Bethesda Fountain. Goes to the fountain and then magic. And then all the listeners are just going to have to go and watch it. It's online. If you search the pits short film, it'll pop up and you can watch it. It's an easy two minutes and 45 seconds but uh and it is freaking great i've seen thank you uh, so much i've seen clips and photos of the avocado and it is an adorable it's, avocado it just yeah it was very very heartwarming and it's still for for me and kelly like it's still dead center that year for us and we were so happy to get to talk to you about that and if you want to listen to that interview you can go back to our dead center interview from gosh like 2016 i think yeah, that was Thank a fun was. day. We did. We crashed another podcast, and we they were videotaping their podcast, much like we are now. And uh, Oki Shosho and myself sat in the background and ate Cheetos really slowly, <laughs> and stared directly very the slowly for twenty minutes. <laughs> for it was a long time. Was, we, we almost ate this, and it was about this big an entire container. Yeah. The party sized uh, um, Cheetos, and bag. that's when I knew. We we should be friends. <laughs> After I had hand fed you cheese puffs, yes. 
Oh, man. So I'm so excited to, to get to pick you guys' brains about the wonderful world of puppeteering. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about The Bear Show and a little bit about Mr. Puppet Show and just the mechanics of how this stuff works because like it's just it's a foreign world puppeteering it seems to me like one of those things that like we've all seen and then you actually hear about the all the specific details of how like the workflow is and building puppets and, and like the division of labor on an actual set with puppets and it just my my brain kind of explodes anytime i i get a teeny piece of information so we're gonna get into that but first First, we're gonna do a quick lightning round warm up to kind of to kind of loosen us all up. Are you guys ready for this? Uh, I, as I as will be, I guess. Okay, as ready as we'll be. I am ready. Fantastic. Okay, so <laughs> this is the lightning round warm up. We're uh, you two because I would lose this in a heartbeat. <laughs> you two are gonna name as many puppet characters as you can in fifteen mm -hmm. seconds. <laughs> I will do my best. I'll do my best. I'm ready. I'm gonna do my best. Okay. You got 15 seconds to name as many puppet characters as you can. In three, two, one. Lou Zealand. Uh, Kermit the Frog. Fozzie Bear. Uh, Totter the uh, Mouse. Uh, uh, Daniel Tiger. Ooh, uh, King Friday. <laughs> Ooh, Very I know that nice. one. Um, <laughs> whose phone is that? Oh, oh, that was it, that was the timer. Oh. <laughs> How many did we get? I think we got about like four or five yeah. each. And I, you know, I, I don't think that was a definitive. <laughs> <laughs> just to kind of get the synapses of flowing. Yeah. The entire puppet community uh, is listening to this, just crying, yeah, yelling yeah. at the speakers, saying, "What about this character? What about Beauregard?" They're all just like yelling at us right now. Angus, Angus McGonagall, the Argyle Gargoyle Gargles Gershwin. There you go. What? Exactly. How could you miss him? I feel like I have a feeling that's a deep cut, but I don't know. <laughs> that's a deep cut. That's a good one. So now, uh, one by one, I want to kind of go around the room and discuss what you guys have kind of worked on just to kind of set the stage for our listeners to kind of, you know, share what kind of experience you guys have had. Because Chandler, you've been doing this for how many years? Oh gosh, so I've been doing live puppeteering professionally since 2014, um, and I've been doing um, really the two main productions, it's been, the work has been consistent enough, I've been doing Alley Dog and my own stuff in front of a camera since 2017. That's so cool. That's so cool. So, and then David, and, then, and then live puppeteering. Right. In the, yeah, in, in you, the you live puppet shows. Yeah. <laughs> And then David, how long have you been doing this and what are, what are all the different stuff that you've worked on? Uh, I've been professionally doing puppetry for about, I think six years this year. And I've, uh, I've, I've freelanced for the Jim Henson company, building puppets, uh, doing props, a lot of the time refurbishing puppets. Uh, I've also been a, a puppet wrangler on Sesame Street, uh, which has been so a lot of fun. Cool which a puppet wrangler uh, is somebody who is basically hair and makeup for a puppet. Anything that breaks on a puppet, like for instance, if Elmo gets a stitch open, they give me Elmo, I sew it back really fast and throw it back on, or give it back to the puppeteer. And I also, you know, assist the puppeteers on solving any mechanical or uh, puppetry issues that might pop up. Um, and then Sounds a slew like a dream job. <laughs> it's pretty fun. That's uh, so cool. And then, you know, I also puppeteer on on various projects. Uh, I'm going to be in Europe next month, or this month, actually, uh, for some short videos with IBM, performing a, sh a small character. And I also create short films, music, music videos. And I just started a podcast called Probecast, which ah. features a puppet character I made four years ago, who is a conspiracy theorist. Uh, and on the show, he talks about uh, paranormal, cryptozoological stuff. He has experts and experiencers come on. And what it is is I bring on comedians and improv friends of mine that come in and pretend to be uh, paranormal experts. And we just improv for 15 minutes. And that's oh, the podcast. That's, that's brilliant. See, why didn't I come up with an idea like that? <laughs> 
because you're not was, stuck by yourself easier. with a room full of content. That's <laughs> this why. was easier, Brian. You you ask questions, and other people right? Yeah, that's make true. the content. I listen to the to the experts and pretend I I am following along. <laughs> I nod my head. Yes, yes, I I understand. <laughs> yeah, I can't see anything you're doing below the frame. So you could just be writing. This guy sucks in really big letters. I have no idea. <laughs> Who knows if we have pants on? There, I mean, all kinds of. I'm not wearing pants. Hey, man, it worked in uh, The Last Crusade. I figure, why ever wear pants? They didn't wear pants. In the plane? I was trying to think you know, in, in the in movie the, when I, someone didn't have pants. I think it was like the Zeppelin scene. Yeah, I don't know. Really? All they didn't I know wear is, pants when they shot that? I'm yeah. pretty sure. There's, yeah, yeah there's a story Connery. that Sean Connery and Harrison Ford were both going. No pants. Commando in the uh, in the plane. No, I don't know if it was full oh, well, commando. Oh, well. <laughs> I may have, I may have. That's really good. That adds a new subtext to the yeah. Indiana Jones storyline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a reason. No one ever says about the tears. We could be pantsless below the frame. You know, that could we be could, a new thing. Anything could be going on. That's true. That's true. Who knows? Who knows what's happening down there? So you kind of, you kind of touched on it just a little bit, but um, can you? Describe what exactly the typical set structure of a pro-level puppet show like Sesame Street is. Like you mentioned, Wrangler, and what what are some of the other positions on a set like that? So when it comes to puppetry, there, so each character has a dedicated puppeteer that's been puppet puppeteering that character for years. Most of the characters are inherited uh from another puppeteer who is either retired uh from working or has passed away and so those puppeteers will always be performing those characters for the most part and then there's also a type of puppeteer called an assist or a right hand puppeteer so an example of a right hand puppeteer is so cookie monster right he's got a mouth and he's also got two hands but a puppeteer only has two hands so you've got the mouth I'm looking at my screen and his hand. So when he's talking, he's like pointing and like talking about his cookies and stuff like that. He needs another hand coming in on the side and that's called a right hand puppeteer. So the other puppeteer will come around and put their hand in and they won't do any big gestures. They'll just follow the choreography or talk with the lead puppeteer to figure out what they're going to be doing in the scene. Uh, one famous example that's that toss it on its head is uh uh, the chef from The Muppet Show. So what they would do is uh, Frank would be puppeteering the head and Jim would be doing the hands. And Jim would do all this stuff. To, oh, no, no, it was the other way around. Frank was on the head and the hand, something like that. One of them would just start throwing stuff and trying to mess the other person up. And they would just have to follow. And so... Okay, so it's, yeah, so both hands, the hands are just pulling the head around. So, you know, the head's okay. just kind of... Yeah. Uh, there's, there's some really great footage um, of... Frank Oz puppeteering. Uh, you know, Frank is famous for being kind of a cantankerous, you know, he, the art is the art and the art of puppetry and we're going to do this and it's, you know. Uh, there's some, <laughs> some great footage where you can watch Cookie Monster and if his right hand is a newer puppeteer or sometimes Cookie Monster will be kind of pulling <laughs> Cookie's hand like to get the performance honed in more oh okay. you can so you can like controlling yes, the yes, other that's hand. too much that's too yeah. Yeah. the in other the hand a, literally has a mind yeah. of its own so i mean right handing i mean you there's a subtlety to it that is difficult i mean you don't want the hand you know the right hand yeah. you know you don't want that other hand to, just going crazy yeah. over there doing jazz hands yeah like the rule of thumb is you know if, if if the if the lead puppeteer is doing a simple gesture like this you just try to follow that movement so there will be some little bit of delay but if the puppeteer oh. is doing a big gesture don't follow unless they specifically said we want both fingers because the other person goes wait a minute you don't want to suddenly do this you just want to keep <laughs> your hand still you go, wait, wait a minute that doesn't make sense. Then you can follow. You kind of like right. you learn. And a lot of times a lead puppeteer will have an assist that they prefer to work with because they just like when you have a dance partner, they know how to move with that person uh, and orchestrate well. And so there's that. And like I said, there's a, a puppet wranglers that are on set. There's usually at least two on a big set. If it's really big and a lot of puppets, there's at least three. Uh, if it's a small shoot, which is like one or two puppets, there's just one puppet wrangler. And then a lot of the the directors uh, and other folks that are on set working are also puppeteers or have been a part of puppetry in some way. So, like the the one of the sound uh, one of the people in the sound department on Sesame is a puppeteer. 
and a director and he makes his own puppet videos and then of course matt vogel who performs kermit the frog and big bird and a bunch of other characters uh is a director on sesame and he is incredible um because he he has a love for filmmaking and for uh performance but he's also a really brilliant puppeteer and so he's able to bridge the gap of that communication which is really inspiring Wow. So yeah, that's some of it. And on the puppetry end, that's uh, most of what you have on set as far as puppeteers. That's so cool. It's really well, fun. Well, in a second, I'm going to ask you guys how exactly one would get started in the world of puppeteering. But first, we have to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> Do you need some great graphics design work for your website, business, or film shoot? Well, Zachary Burns is the guy to call for all your graphics design needs. If you need an awesome movie poster, maybe some cool props with logos or general graphics-ness, well, who are you going to call? You're going to call Zach Burns. Zach is also one of Oklahoma's top on-set photographers. Say you're shooting your project, you need to be able to promote that project, and on-set photography is one of the best ways to do that. You put together your electronic press kit, or EPK for you acronym lovers out there, and you fill your movie's website with awesome behind-the-scenes photos. Go check out Zach's website at lefteyeburns.com. That's lefteyeburns.com, and hit him up in the About section. So how do you guys get started in the world of puppeteering? It's one of those things that, like, it's hard to imagine it being a real job <laughs> that you can actually pursue. But how do you do it? Yeah. Uh, I, Chandler, I think, you go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I think every, just about every puppeteer I know has a, even, you know, someone as high up as Matt Vogel or Peter Lenz, they all have a very similar story of, I loved puppets as a kid. I loved Jim Henson's work as a kid. I loved, you know, and starting out, you know, <laughs> putting on backyard puppet shows and building puppets in, you know, your mom's kitchen. And then it becomes a hobby. And then from a hobby, it, you know, you take it to whatever venue you can get your foot in the door and sort of build from there. Does that relate to you, David, as well? Yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, a friend of mine and I, uh, we suffer from imposter syndrome a lot of the time because... We started in puppetry a lot later in life than, than most folks. Uh, a lot of puppeteers, they did. They, they had an, I had an interest in it when I was a kid, but I didn't have enough of an interest at the time to pursue it all the time. Uh, and also, I'm sure I'm a little ADD, and so I was just kind of like, puppets are cool. Hey, look, the TV's on, and I ran over to that. But, you know, uh, when I got into puppetry, I was, I was 28, and I was uh, I was in between jobs and I'd always been interested, like fascinated by puppetry and what it does. And I at that point, I was an animator and a motion graphic artist and uh, Fowler VW, which is out in Oklahoma. Um, I'm friends with Jonathan Fowler. And I said to him, uh, I sent him a message on Facebook with a video link to a commercial that had puppets in it. And I said, hey, you need commercials like this. That's all I said. And he wrote back, can you do this? And I lied and said, of course, of course I can. <laughs> yeah. And so in a week, I learned how to build, write, direct, and perform puppets. And what I discovered is that it was the thing that was always missing for me as an illustrator and an animator. With a puppet, you're taking your imagination and you're bringing it into the real world. And so all these characters that were in my mind are now becoming tactile. And instead of waiting for something to render or second guessing a keyframe because the gesture's off, I can just perform it. And now I'm seeing what's happening. I'm like, you know what? He doesn't walk like like this. He he walks like that. Like that's how this guy walks. And it happens immediately instead of waiting over time. Because I, like I said, I'm a little ADD, so I get a little <laughs> impatient, and I just want to see it happen. And so that's that's how I started a puppetry. And from there, moved to New York. Uh, started going to the puppetry guild meetings and just got connected to people there is a puppetry guild yes puppetry yes guild. What? okay uh, tell me about this i know nothing <laughs> i am john snow with the puppeteering guild <laughs> so i'm so that every not every city there used to be um a lot more guilds across the u.s i'm not sure if there's one in oklahoma is there one in oklahoma uh i don't think there is actively i'm not a member of it are you a um, member of unima or no, i have i haven't i haven't done uh unima or puppeteers america yet okay um yeah that's okay 
Um, <laughs> of course, everyone would say to me, like, no, actually, you should join. You need to join Chandler. Yeah. <laughs> I've, they I've, need more I've members. Gotten, I've, gotten, uh, I've gotten tirades from fellow puppeteers. Why haven't you, uh, you join? So uh, I'm a member of the New York Puppetry Guild. I'm also the vice president. Of, I've been vice president for the past six months. Um, and or maybe longer, almost a year now. And uh, it's really wonderful. You know, the guild is really a it's not a it's not like a, a usual like guild where they have insurance coverage like the director's guild does or helps you find, you know, jobs necessarily. I mean, we do we'll put out newsletters about if there's a job available, but for the most part, it's a place for us to connect with our community and to learn from each other because the puppetry community is incredibly unique that it's small and very loving. And if you want to be a part of puppetry, no one's going to hide any of the secrets. Like there really is no secret to puppetry and there's no like hidden book anywhere that you're going to find something that you're going to learn that nobody else knows. Uh, all you have to do is like make a friend with a puppeteer or watch a video on YouTube and you now know how to make a puppet just like someone at the Henson company makes a puppet. So, you know, puppetry is really accessible, but the community is not as big as most. And so it feels harder to, you know, pierce that veil, but the guild is amazing. Everyone's really loving and incredible. Uh, and all just a bunch of silly, silly people. They're great. <laughs> I just want to see a meeting of the puppet <laughs> guild. And I just pray to God that everyone is <laughs> using a character we're, we're dealing with serious issues. Order, order. <laughs> just there are some folks that do. They'll bring their puppet and uh, and talk to you through them. And that's fun. Like, I really that's enjoy fantastic. that. It's, it's fun. That's so cool. That sounds weirdly therapeutic, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it that's can awesome. be, absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely something about, you know, the detachment. Of, <laughs> right. You know, you know what? I can't answer that question, like... but my friend can. Ch Charlie. A... Yeah. Yeah, I know. All of a sudden, we're just like, let's see if I can even do it. Like. Oh my gosh, I'm on the spot now. Yes, hello, yes. Uh, if you wouldn't address David at all, speak through me. My name's Ambrosia. Uh, well, Ambrosia. Man, so what's the what's the process of creating a new puppet? Like, we kind of just saw you come up with something just then. Like, is it really that simple? Uh, do you mean construction-wise or character-wise? All of the above. I'm speaking from the perspective of someone who knows nothing. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I build uh, my own puppets as well. Um, most of the time, uh, at least for me or I'm, you know, for production specifically, you're starting with the needs of a script. Um, you know, if the script is about a fancy alligator who goes to town, starts, you know. The design process, you build a fancy alligator, it goes through, and then you, you know, that physical puppet eventually finds its way to a performer, yeah. and the character and the voice and all that, you know, that's, I think, probably the most normal way of character coming about again, but then again i mean like so much fun if it's a if it's a penguin that just walks in for a scene yeah you know, just toss a penguin to someone and someone comes up with, <laughs> with a with a little a little voice a little character and a little attitude and you have a character that's so cool david what, what about on your end like whenever you're creating new characters and stuff well it you know uh chandler's absolutely right if you're working with a production they usually have specific needs for a character it's very rare that they'll come to you and say uh we just want you to make something. And even if they do say that, which I have had some people say that, they still have a vision of kind of where, there's usually a spectrum of where that puppet, they want it to land. If I'm making something for myself, it's it can be a totally different process. Uh, sometimes I'll draw a character on a sketchbook where I'm just like playing and I'll go, that guy's interesting. What would he look like as a physical thing? And I'll just grab whatever I have available and I'll just like, go and kind of sketch in the moment with these with this material and see what comes out uh this character reggie furs that i made that writes his own music and we did a music video recently with uh my friend tanner uh he was a puppet that i just made i was having a really bad day and i just grabbed some fur that i had laying around uh i burned it so that it would be a weird texture and then i just cut it out, sewed it together, put a weird lip on, some teeth, and he <laughs> sat, and some glasses, and he sat on my bench for about two years, and I did nothing with him. And then uh, I dyed some weird, shaggy 
uh, fabric pink and I put it on his head and I was like, holy crap, there you are. This is who you are. <laughs> and a lot of times, you know, puppets, any really any art form, you won't know it's done until something clicks and it's finally complete. Like that's when you know when it's finally done. And that that was one of the hardest things for me to learn as an artist when, when, that, when I, my art teachers early in my career were like, you won't know the piece is done until it tells you it's done. And it's really true um, yeah. when you're working on stuff that's for you. And that was even true on Sesame Street. A really great example is Oscar the Grouch was orange when he first came on the street. And for the first season, he was orange. And Jim was looking at him and was like, you know what? He's not right. I'm not sure what it is. And so they took Oscar, took him back to the workshop. And Jim just started ripping him open and tearing the fabric apart. And they started to play and started to like improvise with the with how they were building him and landed on this other material, this green that they do a special texturing process to that is now Oscar. And he's been that way for 50 years now. Uh, Big wow. Bird, the same thing. Big Bird was a completely different character. And now he's this beautiful, like one of the most beautiful puppets ever made. He's absolutely stunning. Um, but at first he was this dopey bird character and all of his feathers were turned outward. So they kind of scooped out and then over time they turned him in. And so they look more like a natural bird and it's this kind of soft, beautiful shape. So when I build for myself, I, I tend to lean more towards, uh, that sort of early Henson approach of, uh, finishing it when it feels like it's done, like just creating something, get it out. Uh, even Elmo was made that way. Elmo was just uh, Raleigh Cruson, who is an incredible, incredible builder. She still works at Henson. Uh, she was just asked to make an extra monster character, and she made Elmo and threw him out on the, on the show. And if you were first watch Elmo, Elmo doesn't sound like Elmo. He sounds complete. He kind of sounds more like <laughs> this, is what he says. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a scary sort of yeah. gangster Elmo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, come here, kids. Tickle me. <laughs> and then he was, you know, Kevin Clash picked him up and created this character, which is now Elmo. And wow. so even on the big shows, that can happen. It doesn't always happen now because people are a little more uh, controlled over how a character is developed. And, you know, they should be. Um, but for myself, yeah, I like to what I call uh, puppet jazz. I like to improvise yeah. when I'm creating for myself. Well, and how, how much does improvisation kind of play into your creative process? Because, you know, we do improv on this show a lot. And, like, I'm fascinated with how improv kind of has an effect in all the different facets of filmmaking and just creativity. Like, how do you guys use improv? Well, uh, one aspect of improv with puppets is uh, a lot of time you sort of stay in character as your puppet. Well, uh, yeah. one thing about puppetry that's very, very different from other performing is your instrument is not your body. It's, you know, this little body of felt and foam and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's completely detached from you, even in so much as the fact that you're watching your performance on a monitor live while performing. So you're not even really in the physical space with the puppet. Yeah. You are focused in on, you know, this monitor and that's the world and that becomes the world and the, you know, it becomes sort of a separate entity, you know, on that level. So, you know, you're just kind of watching it and seeing what it does and it can go and it can talk and it can do its own little thing and it becomes this little thing and in between takes, it just still kind of goes. <laughs> that's so cool. It goes and does it. So that's that's definitely a <laughs> a relation to impro improvising yeah. with puppetry. It's so fun. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely it's, it's true. It's easy to improvise when, you know, you're a penguin or a cactus or a, a cow or a block of cheese. Or, you well, know, and that's the fun. Just <laughs> like, I, I can just imagine <clears throat> in a way that, like, because, you know, like, I, I give voices to my dogs and stuff. Like, this is my <laughs> this is my weird way of being able to relate to this. Like, I'll give voices to my dogs. And after a while, it kind of, you like, I become curious as to what the dogs would say to my wife. And so they just kind of comes. <laughs> so I'm imagining that it's kind of the same way with the puppet. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you want to say? Yeah, I and mean, that's for me. Improv happens in everything that I do. Like, uh, I, I, I definitely believe. I said like, so I was with one of my friends, and I just like offhandedly said something to her that really was kind of a bullshit statement. But I was also <laughs> after I thought about, it, I was like, wait, that's actually true. 
And uh, what I what I said was like writing is just improvising on the page. And once mm. you're done writing it, then it's actually a thing. Um, and that's really, you know, when you're doing anything, when you're trying to plan out a shot for a film or you're trying to create a presentation for, you know, your next uh big sell at the whatever corporation for that for that last advertisement we heard uh, exactly <laughs> you are improvising at first you're just brainstorming brainstorming is improvising you're just trying to come up with ideas and be in the moment so that you can be more creative and once that's done and you name it something then it's no longer improv it's a thing and i just think that you know uh <laughs> i find myself i've i've just kind of rambling in the moment, but he's improvising uh, the answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm improvising the answer. I am. Life is improvised. Yeah, life is just a lot of just bullshit, really. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of how I work. Like I will just yeah. play a lot. Everything I do uh, has a playful nature about it because that's my my favorite way of of finding something. Yeah, that's again, it's so much fun. I I've been th- like. Just talking to you guys about the wonderful world of puppetry and everything just makes me giddy inside. Because like there is a ch- there's a connection to childhood. I think when people think of puppets, they think of Sesame Street. They think of Fraggle Rock and you know, um, oh, uh, what's the Dark Crystal? Yeah. Dark Crystal out on Netflix now. I just started watching it last yeah. night and it's freaking amazing. It's pretty terrific. Do you love it? But I yeah, it's uh. it's very cool and I'm very interested. Um, as to how you guys feel about the way the direction that technology has taken us, you know, with all the everything's visual effects and everything, and we've been finding this weird renaissance back to practical puppetry, practical effects and stuff. Like, I love that the new Star Wars trilogy really put a highlight on that. But what do you guys see as being the future of puppetry in this very visual effects based? world of filmmaking that we're finding ourselves in oh that's a very good question uh well i mean one one important thing is every puppet and everything a puppet does is uh, an effect it's all an illusion i mean it's everything it does i mean it can't pick up a phone it, it has to be an effect um i mean you know that that sort of ties into you know integrating yeah. any way to help the puppet right is you know is a-okay in my book yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely uh there's a there's an advertising company that i've been working with uh to do some like commercial spots and there's a director there who has a background in puppetry and he's come up with a a, a digital puppetry system that they're calling the mill mascot and what it is it's a little sensor that sits on your desk and i put my hands up like this like I'm playing a theremin and I'm able to control a CG character that's fully rendered and looks beautiful in real time. And I'm puppeteering him. This hand is moving his body around. My fingers as I move them will trigger different like eye blinks or mouth opening and closing. And this hand will be his other hand. So it's just like I'm performing a live hand puppet. Um, and I'm having to, you know, so with my cool. hands, create the weight because without that, he's just kind of floating in the air. And so there's stuff like that that's coming out. There's a, a company that's created this this really interesting that I haven't had a chance to play with because it's not on a, out on Android. But on your iPhone, you put your hand out like this and it puts a 2D puppet over your hand. And when you do this, <laughs> it talks and it moves around just like a real <laughs> puppet does. It's amazing. And so there's stuff like that. Uh, Henson has a great system where they've got your hand in a glove and so it's you're getting a tactile connection to a puppet and you move it and that triggers uh, the digital puppet that's on screen which is super cool Um, I think that when CGI came out and people saw Jurassic Park they thought it was all CG effects they thought it was all that and because and a lot of it was but also a lot of it wasn't even the cg effects weren't fully cg they weren't they were animated by stop motion animators which is a lot of people don't know that and that's amazing and that's why the animation looks so good um so there was like this boom this uh uh housing crisis you know of cg effects where everyone was like (laughs) We've got to have CG effects in here. Clash of the Titans happened and everyone went, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. We need to slow down. <laughs> like this is getting out of hand. <laughs> and folks started like slowly kind of marrying practical effects and visual effects back together again. Uh, the prequel to the movie The Thing was a really good example of where they were starting to bring back 
practical effects that involve puppetry, individual effects. Unfortunately, a lot of the effects were replaced by visual effects, which is really awful, but mm. it was still a crawl towards that. And now it's it's becoming more prevalent. Just like you said in Star Wars, there are so many puppets in that film. And like uh, uh, BB-8 is a puppet. It's not a practice. It's not a CG effect. There's some shots, of course, but for the most part, it's a puppet. It's not even a remote control like gyroscopic <laughs> thing. It's literally a ball on a rod that a guy pushes Big blue like he's mowing yeah, at the yeah. yard. It's <laughs> That's amazing. But I think we're going to see more of a um, healthy relationship between visual effects and practical effects in in more and more films to where one isn't replacing the other. They're just working together. Even in The Dark Crystal, yeah. a lot of shots had a lot of visual effects everywhere. And that, you know, we can't totally escape that because there's some things that can't happen. Like uh, in the one of the carriage scenes in The Dark Crystal, the entire set has been green screened because all the puppeteers have to be removed. Uh, right. So we're never going to get rid of it. It's never one is never going to replace the other. But I think people are realizing that you can't have the other without the other one. And and when to use one and when to yeah exactly wow yeah okay so I I gotta ask uh, for the up and coming puppeteer someone who's listening to this and who's thinking I want to do this myself what. <laughs> What are some things not to do? This is my favorite question to ask people. What what should people not do? Uh, don't puppeteer with your feet. <laughs> ah. Um. Well, unless you're Hugo and Inez. Hugo and Inez is an amazing yeah. group. Ah, of Most of their puppets are, or a lot of their puppets, Inez's puppets, are with her feet. And they're amazing. Ah. They're absolutely incredible. Uh, I would say the... The biggest thing that um, that young puppet biggest mistake young puppeteers do that I see quite a bit is taking a, a big character like Kermit or Fozzie the Bear and building their own puppet and basing all of their skills around that character. Um, mm. There are, you know, the, whenever someone is submitting an audition to Sesame Street or to maybe some new show that involves uh, Muppet performers, they want to see you. They want to see what you are bringing to the table. They, they know what Kermit can do. They know what Fozzie can do, but they don't know what you can do. And so if you really want to get good and really be noticed and seen by other, uh, not just puppeteers, but by other productions, you've got to make your own character. Doesn't matter how good it is. It can be a sock puppet with um, a couple of just little puff balls, cotton balls as eyes. It doesn't have to be good. What has to be good is your performance. If you're wanting to be a builder, that's something different. But if you want to be a puppeteer, just focus on your acting. Try to become, watch movies, watch people at the mall. Uh, it's what I used to do when I was in high school. When I was an actor, I, w I would watch people at the mall and try to pick up mannerisms or walking styles of people and use that in your puppetry and try to create your own characters. Because when you audition, that's what we want to see. They want to see your, like Gordon Ramsay says, they want to see your heart on a plate. They want to see your soul mm. uh, in front of the camera. Ah, that's uh, great advice. I would definitely say that no puppet is an island. Um, puppets don't work well on their own. Mm. you need some sort of a sounding board for a puppet really to work, whether it's a human with the puppet or other puppets with the puppet, whatever it is. Uh, and uh, So like puppets stand up. <laughs> yeah, it would, no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have <clears throat> that electricity and yeah. that, you know, connection. Not everyone can be Fozzie Bear. Yeah. <laughs> well, even Fozzie, I mean, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. really, doesn't really work for him. Um, I think sometimes young puppeteers or puppeteers who... Um, have been working on their own stuff in their bedroom in front of a webcam. The aspect of performing with another character or another player uh, sometimes doesn't get the attention it needs. Mm -hmm. um, to the interaction with another performer and not being your own, you know, kind of self elevating it's my puppet and my puppet's in the center of the thing yeah. and my puppet's gone it's very much i mean you know bert is nothing without ernie you have to have ah that's so a certain true. you know kind of meet in the middle we're gonna power through all right so what are some what are some fun on set 
storage. You gotta have any? You guys have any mm. crazy anecdotes from the uh, from the puppet set? Did snuffle up against you know? <laughs> well, there are some great stories that I've heard from puppeteers who worked on old you know Muppet productions. There's some great sort of you know legendary stories that kind of get passed down. Marty Robinson told me a story once he snuffled up against and Telly yeah. Monster. Um, a great story that's been told before of uh, the Muppets' big 30th anniversary special in like 1986 or something. Uh, it's a big giant crowd scene, and in the very back, everyone's cheering, all the Muppets are cheering and clapping, and in the very back, and there's this one little bunny rabbit that's just going bananas. <laughs> and it's just too much. And the director stops and says, hey, a little bunny rabbit in the back. Uh, can you tone it down a little bit? It's a little too much. And Jim Henson pops up and goes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great story. He was, you know, working on that. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> David, you got you got any fun anecdotes from the from the puppet set? The first one that popped in my head was actually is actually a Marty Robinson story, um, as well. <laughs> uh, so when I had started as a Wrangler, um, I was asked to come on and do a Sesame Street special. So every year, Sesame Street does a special. They, it's like an uh, an hour long uh, video that they do, and on this one, Snuffleupagus had to appear outside, which he hadn't done in years. And uh, we were doing it out in Soho on Broom Street. And Broom Street's a really, like, it's really busy over there because it's right in front of uh, one of the tunnels that crosses uh, the river into New Jersey. So we're in this really busy area and we've, you know, wheeled this giant puppet across the street. We've gotten Marty and his assistant there with him and they perform the scene. It's great. But the traffic is so bad that we can't, hook snuffy back up to the to the thing and like cart him across the street and so marty just says let's just go let's just go across the street and i looked at the head wrangler michelle like yeah i was like michelle he wants to go and she's like let's go let's go just go and i was like okay and i was like all right snuffy we're gonna cross the street let's go now this is my first time working with snuffy i had no idea that marty could see really well through the mouth of snuffleupagus i had no idea and so I'm terrified already because we're having to take him across the street. So what he did, because he knew it was my first time, he he gets the okay to go and he just bolts. He <laughs> takes off without us at oncoming traffic. And now the tra traffic is stopped, but I don't know that. I've been up since 4 a.m. It's now 6 p.m. and I've got to get this historic icon across you know this busy street. And he starts running at cars. And like stopping a foot away from them and just being like, oh no. And I'm like, Snuffy, no, like you gotta go this way. And he's like, okay. And he like keeps, <laughs> you know, going. And I finally like get him across the street or we get him across the street. There's this great photo of all of us running and me looking terrified with Snuffy like next to me as if Snuffy's gonna kill me. Oh and we get across the street and he runs towards a curb and I, basically tackle snuffy i'm like no snuffy no and he goes oh, oh you know and marty gets out of that and he's just like laughing at me and i asked him i was like man that was terrifying i'm so sorry he was like i could see the whole time it's fine i was like oh, but turns out that's what he does marty like to, yeah anytime there's a new wrangler on set he will get in the suit and just run as fast as he can uh to just scare you <laughs> Marty, gosh. the first time I uh, did the Sesame Street uh, workshop training program, um, the final thing we did on the final day, I was 18. It was like 2014. I've uh, been a couple times. God, the, you're young. <laughs> the, uh, the final thing we did on the, on the final day was we did, uh, we broke off into groups and we were handed scripts used on the show. And in front of the cameras, we performed a skit. You know, each one was a two-minute insert God, it's so insert cool. and the one uh, i wound up on was the sons of anarchy spoof sons of poetry <laughs> and they just handed out the parts willy-nilly and i got i didn't know i hadn't seen that skit um and i didn't know what the character was and marty came up to me and he, he pulled me aside right before the camera was gonna roll and he whispered you know on, on the show that was my role don't 
screw it up. And then he just went away. <laughs> Phases yeah. away. Yeah. Oh, man. Artie's the best. Wow. Like, he yeah, he's great. It's <laughs> such a wise and amazing, like, emotionally available human. But he's also loves to kid around and prank. And that's, like, the heart of of you know the henson legacy like you know being emotionally available to your creativity and being honest about what you're doing but also you've got a streak of anarchy in you and you want to play pranks on people and put them in the hot seat and see what happens and he will put everyone in the hot seat and it's the best it's the best way to grow (laughs) oh my god that's amazing well that's that's pretty much all the the like strict questions that I've got. Um, you guys want to play a game? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I'll do my best. So, the delay is happening, but I will do my best. I'm ready. Perfect. This is perfect. Okay. So while while David Bazaar goes and uh, gets Mr. Bear, uh, <laughs> we have Chandler Jackson here. He's busting out Mr. Puppet, and now would be a great time for the listeners to tune into the YouTube channel and to see this beautiful thing <laughs> going down. Pop a show on the, on the podcast over the radio. Yeah, yeah, this perfect visual oh. gag. So, okay, so we have we have a couple different topics. We have Frank Oz has stolen millions from Kermit. <laughs> we have Miss Piggy sold Kermit to the Church of Scientology in exchange for a relationship with Tom Cruise. <laughs> or we have Sprocket the dog from Fraggle Rock has been put down by the Fraggles I, I don't know why, but I really like the Frank Oz one. I think the inclusion of Frank Oz makes that funny to me. Okay, let's okay. do that one. Oh, hello. Oh, my. Oh, oh man. Ah. All right. <laughs> hello. This is the best another, thing ever. Another, the best. I don't know. I, I was asleep. You guys woke right. me up for this. It better be good. <laughs> so uh, we, we just need to uh, to get some information from you, sir, um, yes. about this, this terrible crime that's occurred. Oh. Uh, recently, awful. I don't know if just you've, awful. I don't know if just you've seen terrible. it in the headlines lately, but um, uh, Mr. Puppet, I, th- I think yeah. you you have some information that you were wanting to to get from Mr. Bear here. Yes, yes. Um, hello, hello, Mr. Bear. Um, um, I was wondering just just why? What was it worth it? You know, sometimes you gotta was lose them. Worth it, Mr. Bear. Gotta lose them. Mm. Yeah, I see, I see, and um. Do you know if whenever uh, the crime was committed, mm. um, was he in character or mm. or was mm. he just his yeah. his normal self, his normal you know I guess producer self? Yeah. You know, a lot of times when you're trying to get away with a with a crime, you gotta you gotta mix it up. You gotta hide your identity, and that means you gotta be in character. So you know, he played his most famous character that everyone's in love with. Oh, oh man! Well, wow, that that, that, that does um, that adds a whole new I, layer. I, I do have a question. Way. Um, was was the uh, you know, you always try and get a get into the uh, you know, the reasoning, you know, the that someone would 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 stoop to these you know low low points in their lives. Was the lack of hair? Um, did that have anything to do with like you know his his motivation or? Well, the reason he doesn't have any hair, it, it helps him be more aerodynamic. That's the biggest part oh. of it all. Ah. yeah. That makes sense. You sort of need to be aerodynamic in his in his field. And was the can you tell us was the victim uh, feeling green mm. whenever the crime was committed? Mm. Not easy. Not easy. You know, he he felt like he had been alone, like his soul had left his body, like like he didn't have a spine anymore. It was it was really sad to say the least. Now, um, Mr. Puppet, you you looked like you had another question you were going to ask. Oh, um. Oh, no, no, <laughs> it may have looked that way. Oh, well. Now, was, can you tell us uh, when the crime was committed, like, did did the perpetrator, did he go to the victim's uh, lily pad, mm. or was this more in the studio? Mm. You know, sometimes you got to go to somebody's home to really hit him where it counts. So, mm-hmm. yes, he was. He had found him on the lily pad, uh, just kind of sitting there with a banjo strumming left and right, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, let's all be frank here. This is a terrible, mm-hmm. a terrible crime. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean... Well, obviously it is. is. Well, question is. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. Of course. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm. Goodness. Yeah. Man, and and I thought he was retired. I don't know. I don't know what he was doing around. I guess not. Around I guess, the, I don't know. He didn't make enough green that entire no, time. I no. guess he had. He needed more. No, 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 
So I guess I guess to reiterate, can can you, Mr. Bear, mm. being the spokesperson for the perpetrator, can you can you tell us just exactly what happened? Yes. Well, uh, the moment that Frank Oz walked into the room, he knew that he just had to take him down. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh man. Oh. That's that's really sad. Yeah. Can that's you, a whole that's a whole wrinkle we didn't we didn't know about that is so true. based on our information. That's a, that's a dark turn. Yeah, that's really. Yeah. And can you remind uh, how do you spell the victim's name? Mm. Oh, the victim's name? Uh, well, the sad mm-hmm. part about that is uh, I haven't fully learned the English language in a spelling sense. So, uh, 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 yeah. uh, Mr. Puppet, could you spell it for me, please? I believe it starts with a K. Oh, yeah. And I believe it ends with um, it could end could end with a T. Mm. Maybe there's two T's. I don't know. Ah, I heard I it. I, from what I know, it ends with a G. Mm. Ah. Mm. Like a like a yes. like an og sound. Kermig, that's his name. Exactly, Kermig. you know, a Kermit the Frog. Ah, Kermig, Kermig the Frog. Yes. Well, Mr. Bear, thank you for uh, answering our <laughs> yeah. questions. Uh, uh, this will be this will mm. be on the front page in tomorrow's yeah. New York Times. It's a sad, sad day for us all. Sad day for puppets everywhere. Mm. Uh, sad day uh, for America. Yeah. Well, it's a downer. A downer ending. What did we win? What did we win? You win the grand prize of respect. Oh, oh man. I didn't think that far in advance. Something puppeteers aren't, something puppeteers aren't used to. <laughs> respect. Well, before so, uh, you go, oh. Mr. Bear. Oh, before you, you go, Mr. Bear, we're, we're actually going to wrap it up here. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your show and where we can find you online? Oh, sure. Uh, You can do a search on YouTube for The Bear Show, starring me, Bear. Uh, And I've got all kinds of stuff. I've got me appearing in big films such as Fast and the Furious. Um, I've also got an epic short film called Slam Dunk, which is pretty good. And uh, yeah, this guy just started a podcast. Hopefully he hasn't been just goofing around and didn't tell you about it. But it's pretty cool. It's called Probecast. And uh, hmm... I'm missing anything. Uh, oh, uh, 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 nope. Well, David Bizarro and Mr. Bear, uh, thank you guys so much for giving us some of your time and and sharing your wisdom and your experiences out there on Sesame Street and abroad. Chandler, where can we find your stuff online, uh, Mr. Puppet Show and uh, some if, of your other work? If you look up um, the Mr. Puppet Show on YouTube, spelled M-I-S-T-E-R, you'll find it. Um, I'm at MrPuppetShow.com and I'm at TheMrPuppet on Twitter. Yeah. And if you also look up Alley Dog Depot, a lot of those are on YouTube. This this was (laughs) such, uh, this might be one of my favorite episodes that we've gotten to record because like I just, I love, I love it. I just love it so much. (laughs) You guys, both of y'all are awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and we'll see you guys in the next two weeks and if you have been listening to this and you like what you hear and you'd like to be a part of it yourself go to okishowshow.com or check us out at patreon.com slash okishowshow and become a patron today and we will see all of you listeners in the next two weeks alrighty that's it Bye. You've been listening to the Oki Show Show. Yeah!